Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. If you'd like to find out more information about the church, you can visit our website. That information will be available at the conclusion of this video. Additionally, I write on my own website. You can also find that information at the end of this video. Uh, today is Monday, July 10th, 2023. This is edition number 113 of season eight. As we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith, we are in chapter 20, and we will conclude this chapter today with the final half of paragraph number four. Let's pray together first, and then we'll consider these very important matters together. Father, as we again come to these truths that you have outlined for us in your word, these truths that guide our steps and guide our way as we live in this world, we pray, Father, that you would grant us insight and understanding, that your Spirit would teach us these things, that you would be kind and gracious to us. Certainly, you've given us your word that we might understand it, but we need your Spirit as promised. And so, may you grant him to us now. May you forgive us for the ways in which we fall short of that which you've commanded us. May you give to us what you command, we ask and pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we will conclude chapter 20 with this, this edition of the Morning Devotional. We are in paragraph number four, which reads, And because the powers which God hath ordained and the liberty which Christ hath purchased are not intended by God to destroy, but mutually to uphold and preserve one another, they who, upon pretense of Christian liberty, shall oppose any lawful power or the lawful exercise of it, whether it be civil or ecclesiastical, resist the ordinance of God. And for their publishing of such opinions or maintaining of such practices as are contrary to the light of nature or to the known principles of Christianity, whether concerning faith, worship, or conversation, or to the power of godliness, or such erroneous opinions or practices as either in their own nature or in the manner of publishing or maintaining them are destructive to the external peace and order which Christ hath established in the church, they may lawfully be called to account and proceeded against by the censures of the church. Now, in, yesterday, in Friday's edition, we established and uh, I established the fact that in our world today, there are four different types of government. There's self-government, there's the civil government, there's family government, and then there's the church government. And how this relates to the aspects of Christian liberty and our freedom in Christ, uh, it, those four elements help frame us by God's uh, own doing uh, by the light of nature and by the way he has made us after his image, those things help frame us within certain confines that we might not abuse the Christian liberty that we have been afforded and purchased by Christ, as well as that liberty of conscience that we have. And that is to say that those elements, uh, insofar as they are agreeable to the word of God, whether in family or self or church or um, in the civil realm, are things that hem us in and keep us bound uh, so that we might not run astray. And so our consciences must be captive, first and foremost, to the final authority of faith and practice, and that is the Word of God itself. And so, obviously, within those realms of government, there's going to be various rules and things that you're going to have, and as, insofar as they do not disagree with the Bible, uh, they are certainly allowable uh, to hold, they're allowable to believe and even practice and enforce. 
One of the problems that we see or we have the potential to see when it comes to the matters of Christian liberty and liberty of conscience is that we can abuse that very easily by using it as an excuse to do wrong. That is to say that either through a bad understanding of the Bible or a twisting or warping of it, which is far worse, uh, we arrive at a conclusion and then argue that our conscience is bound to the Word of God. The problem, of course, is that it's bound to the Word of God improperly understood. And so we need to be very careful that we don't simply use the liberty card or the conscience card as an excuse or license to sin. Now, what if that happens? What if within the confines of these four realms of government, uh, what should be the response uh, it's, it's not a deal breaker in the conversation to simply say, my conscience won't let me do that. Well, that depends. It may be a deal breaker if, in fact, your conscience is bound to the word of God and it's rightly understood. Uh, however, what if those things that you hold to are such as the confession here points out for the publishing of such opinions or maintaining of such practices as are contrary to the light of nature? That is to say, as God has revealed himself uh, in that which he has made. And what should happen then, therefore, to those who violate the light of nature and go against the word of God as communicated, God's revealing of himself uh, to us as image bearers of God? Romans 1, 32, though they, though they know God's decree, that is to say, every man everywhere knows God exists. They may deny that, uh, they may seek to deny that. They may even live like there is no God. But the fact remains that they know that there is a God because they can't escape the fact that they were made in his image. So though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Now, of course, what are those things that Paul is referring to here? And you have to back up and begin reading in verse 28. That's not a very pleasant list that he lists there, not an exhaustive one, but one that's well, it's awful enough when you read it to recognize that these kinds of things happen. Now, those people who violate the law of nature in these areas are subject to discipline. They are subject to some manner of correction. It may be in the civil realm when, uh, when um, perhaps someone commits murder. Um, if, if that's the case, then it's not up to the church to deal with that necessarily. There may be other repercussions in that area, but certainly the civil government has the power of the sword to execute justice against that individual or individuals who have violated uh, the light of nature uh, and violated moral, the moral law, and they have violated the civil law. And so those who publish such opinions or maintain of such practices as are contrary to the light of nature or to the known principles of Christianity, whether concerning faith, worship, or conversation. There are cases, of course, within the, confine, within the realm of, Christian, of church history, within the realm of the Bible, in which we see examples of such things. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's Wife, And then in verse 5, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And then in verses 11 through 13, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. 
For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, of course, here the issue is sexual immorality. This is a clear violation of God's moral law. And certainly Christian liberty does not allow us then to violate or disobey God's commandments. You can't use the conscience card. You can't use Christian liberty here. It doesn't work. It's a direct violation of that which God has indeed commanded. These known principles, but it doesn't stop merely with the issue of sexual immorality. It can be anything that is clearly and contra- clearly contradicts what the Word of God in fact, teaches. Paul gives some examples here about idolatry, sexual immorality, greed, drunkard, swindlered, swindler. These things, he gives it by way of example, that though they may be practiced in the church, they need to be dealt with. And herein then is the issue that the confession speaks to. These things that, whether concerning faith, worship, or conversation, or to the power of godliness, or such erroneous opinions or practices... Now, that applies to matters of um, uh, speech. They apply to matters that uh, one may hold to within the confines of the church that works against the doctrines of the church. Again, Christian liberty does not allow for members of the church to, to, to um, oppose the doctrines of the church. If you disagree with those doctrines, then you need to either uh, remain teachable that you might learn or you need to have the conversations with the right people but you cannot promote contrary doctrines within the life of the church. Dr. Van Dixhorn, on page 270 of his book, says, If we ignore key Christian doctrines about faith, worship, or life, if we undermine the power or importance of godliness, if we hold to erroneous opinions or practices, if we cling to things that are bad in themselves, or if we act in any way that destroys the structure of peace and order in society or in the church, We need to be called to account through the regular means that God has appointed, such as the ones we see in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Sometimes, he says, that discipline will take the shape of avoiding unnecessary contact with a troublemaker. Now, it's sad to say, but it's true nonetheless, that within the life of the church, there are people that, for whatever reason, they just, they're troublemakers. They uh, can't seem to help themselves. They always seem to be at the center of controversy, and, and there may be many reasons for that, but we have warnings in the Bible regarding these people. In 2 John uh, verses 10 and 11, just to remind you, there is no chapters in 2 and 3 John or in Philemon, but 2 John verses 10 and 11 Uh, There uh, we read, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that is the teaching of the apostles, the teaching of John as an apostle, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So within the life of the church, Christian liberty does not afford you, and you don't have the liberty to vehemently oppose the doctrines of the church. You may disagree, as a member of uh, the church in which I pastor, you, you are not required to, to defend and, and uphold the Westminster Standards, the Confession of Faith, the larger or shorter catechism. However, you are not allowed to oppose them either. You're not allowed to teach contrary to the established doctrines of the church. That does not promote the peace and purity of the church. It does not promote unit, the unity of the faith. Um, also, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul giving pastoral wisdom and advice to a young pastor 
when I say young, probably in his 30s, but be that as it may. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4, uh, there we read, um, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the, of the truth. Now again, these are the kinds of things that happen in the life of the church, and what do you do when it these kinds of things occur. Well, the Word of God gives us a direction in these matters, and our confession summarizes those things for us when it says here, or in the manner of publishing or maintaining them, that is, these er erroneous views under the guise of Christian liberty or liberty of conscience, these things are destructive to the external peace and order which God hath established in the church. They, that is to say, those who insist on living this way or promoting these erroneous things, they may be lawfully called to account and proceeded against by the censures of the church. Now, what are the censures of the church? So simply put, they're three, uh, there are more, but for the sake of our discussion, three is good enough. There's, there's admonition, a warning to be more careful and watchful in the future, not to promote these things, not to behave in such a manner. Uh, there's suspension from the sacraments, that is to say, the Lord's Supper. And then there's that final uh, censure, which is the most, uh, most serious of them all, and that is to be excommunicated from the fellowship of God's people. These things are to be done decently and in order, but they need to be done to correct these erroneous doctrines and, and views that are held so that we might not disturb the peace and purity of the church. And so while it is certainly true that in Christ you, you and I have many, reason, many freedoms, uh, we ought not use our freedom as a license to sin. We have Christian liberty and liberty of conscience to say that in your, within the confines of your family, if you, are, if you believe that the Lord would have you do something, that's fine, but unless there's a defined principle and precept in the Word of God, you cannot necessarily inflict that same view on others and, and expect them to do it. They may and they may not. Um, for instance, and I think I've given some of these illustrations before, for instance, if you choose to homeschool your children, that is fine, that is before the Lord, if that's what you want to do. We did, my wife and I, uh, uh, we homeschooled. Uh, we were convinced of that position uh, as parents, but again, uh, there were people in our church that did not, for whatever reason. And I cannot insist that they do what I do simply because I think I'm, because I'm convinced of such a thing. God's word leaves room in this area, holds parents accountable for these, for these things. And there are other such matters like that. Now, if you insist on promoting those things within the life of the church and disturb the peace of the church, then you will face and you should face a certain level of rebuke. Uh, perhaps even more, an admonition, maybe suspension or even excommunication for disturbing the peace and purity and unity of the, of the church. Well, when it comes to matters of doctrine, now this church, Providence, we uphold the Westminster Standards as, the, as, the, um, as an accurate and faithful summary of what the Word of God teaches on the 33 different chapters and subjects that it brings forth. That is to say that the elders of the church, the deacons of the church are, are required by vow to uphold those things and defend them. The members are not. 
But the members cannot run around and advocately teach against the doctrines of the church. Let me give you an example. Um, this church and our confessional standards has no tolerance for pedo communion. None. That is to say that you may perhaps subscribe to that as a member of a, of a PCA church, this church. Um, I may seek to convince you otherwise, but you may in your conscience believe that that's the right understanding of things. Be that as it may, you are not allowed to promote those doctrines within the confines of the church. You are not allowed to use your liberty in such a way that it destroys the very unity of the church. If that happens, of course, then those things have to be dealt with because they create schismatic, um, uh, at a schismatic atmosphere and they destroy the unity of the faith. Paul warns um, the church when he uh, is talking to T Titus about people who stir up trouble within the life of the church. At the very end of his letter to Titus, as you know, it's right in the middle of the New Testament. It's the, known as the pastoral epistles for good reason. Um, but Paul says, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. And so again, while we have great freedom in Christ, we need to be careful we don't use our liberty as a means to disturb the peace and purity of the church. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. I, I realize that some of these subjects are very deep, and I'm really just scratching the surface in some sense as we go through these things. But, but I trust you'll think on them, and if you have any questions or comments, you can write me. The way to do that is there before you on the screen. And so until the Tuesday edition, when we turn to chapter 21, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Confession, of religious worship, and the Sabbath day. May the Lord bless you today. May you strive to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God bless.